Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the Hill Pursuit Podcast, and this is episode six. Mitch, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing really good. Um, episode six, here we are. Um, I love your Zoom background. It's just super inspirational for me right now. So I know before we even start, this is just going to be a great episode. I just can't wait to dive into this. I love your background it. is killing it. If you you guys can't see what's going on, but Mitch is somewhere in Italy or somewhere beautiful at sunset. It's looking great. It's looking great. I, I logged in. This was at, this was not intentional whatsoever, and. Uh, I have like a background of Italy up here. I'm trying to take it off. I, I don't like it whatsoever, but well, it'll suffice. Yeah, let's take a little survey. If, if you want to see Mitch's background of Italy, um, re- respond to us, uh, give us a comment or a message and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll post it to one of our social media platforms. But um, in the meantime, yeah, speaking of social media, you guys can find us at Facebook, on Facebook, on Instagram, at Hill Pursuit. Um, You guys can check out the blog uh, at hillpursuit.com. And um, if you have questions, comments, want to give us some feedback, anything and everything in between, just shoot us a quick email at hillpursuit at gmail.com. And and we'd love to get a conversation going with you and and interact a little bit and, and see what you guys are thinking you know, in terms of, uh, what we're talking about. So I don't know what else you got, Mitch, anything? No, same thing. Piggyback off the comment thing. Just keep them coming. It kind of opens up where we might go with some things too. Yeah. We've gotten a a few, uh, a few good comments and, um, it's definitely clear that, you know, at least a small handful of you are, are listening or reading regularly. That's pretty sweet. So, um, yeah. Let's try to let's keep that consistency going because that's a lot of fun. But anyway, so this morning, Mitch, kind of just diving into it. But this morning I had um, and this is unrelated to probably what we'll be talking about. But this morning I just had like a recovery ride on my on my trainer. Mm -hmm. And when I when I have recovery rides, I just like I throw sometimes I throw like a movie on or something on Netflix and right just ride for whatever. And I had an hour long ride today. So I watched an hour of remember the Titans. What do you think about remember the Titans? It is a classic movie. I think back in the day, I could probably quote the entire thing between my brother and I. Yeah. Um, it's it, I actually seen coach Boone speak at Did a you? conference down in uh, Atlanta a while back. I, that was, that was back in the day. Um, but I, it's a classic. Yeah. Like, I think everyone who, you know, who grew up, you know, 90s-ish was influenced by that movie somehow. That that movie has so many, like, zingers and lessons to be learned and, and just, um, you know, movements that carry over to today. It's just, it's just wild. It's such a, such an inspirational movie. I don't know. I was just... I was just riding it and feeling it this morning. I was just absolutely loving it. It was so cool. I haven't watched that movie for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it seems like. so. Every anyway. time you watch it, though, it, I think it impacts you the same exact way. I think you can watch it seven days in a row and you're going to feel something from it. Yeah, it was. that's just such an awesome movie. And everybody, mm-hmm. 
everybody needs to go watch Remember the Titans because we our our world needs a little bit more Remember the Titans right now. Right on. For real. But um so anyway, yeah, yesterday or the day before recently, I had a really hard um I had a really hard like big gear bike bike session for like an hour or so and um I was just like drenched in sweat and sweat was pouring off of me mm-hmm. and you know I'm in my you know basement where you know there's not a whole lot of circulation of air I guess but it just kind of got me thinking and I wrote a blog about it recently you know how much sweat is too much sweat and um you know training in the heat and you know acute weight loss chronic weight loss from training and stuff so I thought that'd be a pretty cool topic to just I don't know chat about a little bit um you know we both have a little experience (laughs) from the pat you way more than me but we both have some experience with you know extreme weight loss I would say in terms of some athletic experiences um you want to comment on that a little yeah and uh, you can kind of look at it uh you have your extreme weight loss and you say whether it's chronic or whether it's something that's drawn out whether it's a long-term thing or you lose a lot of weight in one practice yeah right you know you look at it different and you have different sports that require weight cutting or if you're just kind of taking it at like a what a six month long thing where I'm, I'm starting at this weight and I want to drop down, they're going to impact you. They're both going to impact your performance, but I think in a different type of way. And, uh, you know, I think you maybe on your bike, if say you lost what five pounds in a session, a lot of that, how you feel afterward is how you kind of recover from that, whether you replenish yourself, whether you do some sort of, uh, mobility or foam rolling or whatever. I think, uh, how you kind of bounce back to there's there's a lot of ways to look at it and so if you kind of want to take it to where you want to where you want to roll with it go ahead yeah so i think it's i think a lot of people who um a lot of people who maybe not like as well versed as you know within exercise physiology might just think that okay if i put a hoodie on and a winter cap and sweatpants and I go run um, in my basement or ride in my basement and sweat as much as I can, you know, that weight is going to stay off. I think a lot of people who, you know, don't fully understand what's going on with losing water um, kind of have that mindset that, all right, I'm just going to, this weight's going to come off acutely and it's just, that's weight loss, which obviously isn't the case. I can say, and I know you can say the same that we've probably lost five to ten in a single practice in the in the past, right? I mean, if, yeah. If you're trying to do it just to lose weight acutely, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not trying to do it and it happens, that's where you need to be a little bit more careful, I think. So, um, yeah, basically, in in terms of the blog I wrote the other day, you know, is is there an amount of sweat that's too much sweat? I mean, I think it can be absolutely. If you're, if you're training hard enough and you're not hydrated enough and you're still losing that five to six to eight to 10 pounds in a session, then you weren't 
you weren't planning for that. So, yeah. you know, you're not taking in electrolytes and sodium and you're not taking in enough fluid necessarily, but you're still working out super, super hard that that type of weight loss can, can be that acute weight loss can have an absolutely a negative effect. But, um, you know, I think it's important to, if you know, you're, if you know, you're going to have like a 90 minute, two hour, three hour, whatever session, need to plan your, your food and your fuel a little bit. You know, you can't just go rip a three hour run and, you know, lose 10 pounds or so, which is, is super easy to happen. Now, not this time of year. Like, honestly, we should probably talk about this again in like July. Like, I think that that'd be an awesome time to talk about it because the world changes when, you know, um, yeah, January versus July, where there's more moisture in the air, potentially, you know, you got nineties and a hundred degree temperatures. And, um, whereas to now it's, it's probably ideal running weather. If you're going to go out and run, I mean, you might, it might be cold, but the air is pretty dry and you're not going to lose a lot of, you know, you're not going to lose a lot of water or, or electrolytes. So you're probably going to be able to hold on to your energy a little bit longer. So, you know, the difference now compared to then is you can probably go out for an hour now or 90 minutes now and be fine. Not even have to think about it, you know, but in July, you got to plan a little bit, right? Yeah, you I, think you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't give you like specific numbers because I guarantee you start breaking that down. It's very specific. I can only speak off personal experiences, right? Yeah, so yeah. like you said, if you know you have something coming up, you know, your pre, during, and post, whatever you're putting in your body, I think is going to have a, have a pretty big impact, you know. I mean, I can speak on a personal note where, you know, something just came up and you get thrown into something. You, you're going to feel it a little bit more than if you kind of had it pre-planned, you know, whether that's sport or whether you have, and I think even if you have a job outside where you're kind of out and out working a manual labor job in the middle of the summer, I think that also you can feel it there too, whether you're struggling. And uh, I think that's kind of a unique aspect too. And uh, I think, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Whether you have to figure out what you're putting in pre, during, and post, I think that's going to have a huge impact on on performance and a whole and mentally too. Yeah, yeah. So it's easy for me to talk about this because it was it was so recent, and I put a lot of time and energy into it. But my this this big running block that I had recently, you know. Uh I was planning for that marathon and I wanted to do really well. So, um, in the past, like when I first got into running, I literally would just look up what I should do for pre during and post, um, fueling, but I would never practice it. I would just be like, all right, this is what I know I need to do then, (laughs) you know? So, um, you know, without practice, I mean, you're, you're basically setting yourself up for failures, especially in terms of having GI issues. Um, not to mention, are you even getting enough calories in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. during, during like three, four five hour events when you need, you know, a hundred calories an hour or, or more, or, you know, so, um, I what played around like for you. What do you say? I said, what does it look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that's, that's right where I'm at. So for that big run block, I was, um, I played with it a bunch of times and my longest run before the marathon, I think was, I think it was three hours. It might've been three or three and a half, 
but okay. it was like low twenties, I think, or close to it. Um, but anyway, um, so what I ended up getting comfortable with is a, a very like a very, um, squishy oatmeal bar that wasn't hard and I didn't have to like break it with my teeth. It, it almost like melted in my mouth. It was a very, there was like a hundred some calories in it, low hundreds. And then I also liked, and I never knew about this before I had kids, but we have these like um, squishy applesauce pouches. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those before. <laughs> and it's like, you're an adult. Why do you eat these things, right? But um, Simplicity at that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, and it turns out that it's great for me and my stomach does fine with it um, when I'm working like that. So I use those every hour as well. Um, which I think are about 80 calories or so. And then I am a fan of a, a high sodium electrolyte, um, goo. Um, I think it's called Roctane, but I use that as well to do my best to maintain hydration. And then I basically just drink as I need to. Um, there was sometimes I use like some gummy bears for some carbs as well, but, um, when, you know, when you're getting down to it, you don't want to have to like chomp and use your jaw to actually ingest the, <laughs> the fuel, which is crazy to say, but, um, you don't want to expend any more energy than you need to anywhere. So you get to the point if you're that fatigued and honestly, this past marathon, I wasn't even that fatigued, but I've been there before where you literally don't want to put your hand in your pocket to pull out the fuel. I swear. Yeah, I believe it. And, um, that's a miserable feeling. And that was it. the reason I felt that way is because I didn't plan it ahead of time. Um, and that was a couple of years ago when I ran a marathon, but, um, yeah, this isn't something you just look up, figure out what someone else is doing and then write it down and then pull it out on race day or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you have to plan this. You, you can't, you can't predict how your body is going to feel, um, or how much water you're going to lose or how dehydrated you'll feel you know, without actually doing it and, and experiencing it. So you have to put yourself in two and a half, three, three and a half hour workouts or runs or sessions to know how much water you're going to lose. So like when I started cycling a little bit um, and you should talk about wrestling in a little, cause I know you have some experience, a lot more experience at least than I do. I have a little bit, but you've probably got way better than I do. Mm -hmm. um, but when I started cycling um, I started, you know, I started getting into like 90, two out 90 minute or two hour sessions or rides. And I had no clue like that I needed to be fueling because, um, I was just kind of just starting out. So, um, and being that my, at least on my trainer, when you're locked into a small room with minimal airflow, you're going to sweat big time. Yeah. So, um, as I'm long sure as take some trial and error too, to find out what works for you. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, uh -huh. You got. You have to. You have to play around with what with uh, what feels comfortable with um, what you can. What your body feels okay with eating and digesting. And um, in terms of water loss, yeah. You. I mean, it's. It sounds a little crazy. And Morgan, <laughs> my wife Morgan, gives me gives me crap about this sometimes. But if I know I have a long session, I might hop on the scale before and after, so I know how much weight I lost during that right. session based mm -hmm. on what I was taking in, you know, I mean, how else do you, how else do you learn 
about what your body loses and what your body needs. I mean, mm-hmm. I, what do you, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I, uh, you're dating me a little bit here with wrestling. Uh, it's been a while, you know, I go back, I, uh, had a little experience back in high school. I wrestled a real short time in college. And then, uh, so like we obviously usually pre and post practice, you have a, you weigh yourself. Absolutely. Right? And, um, yeah, this is, and wrestling you know i think it gets a knock sometimes where you're you know back in the day which i did not experience this you know you hear the stories of guys running around with garbage bags and um all these different suits we we didn't have that i kind of got nixed but you know i think at that way at wrestling you're you're a lot of times you're cutting down and you're you're usually trying to you're trying to stay at your weight as much as you can you you know during during the week you know depending on how many matches you have you don't want to you don't want to balloon up. Um, say you have a match Wednesday, and then you have a tournament on the weekend. So you're you don't want to balloon up Thursday after a match Wednesday because that's going to make Friday miserable. And then you know you go wrestle four matches on Saturday, feeling like complete complete garbage. So it's kind of keeping, you know, it's still eating, and and that's where you start to learn yourself, learn your body, and what you can eat, and what's and that kind of goes with experience too. What you can eat, how much you can eat, where you feel good but you're also not putting on 10 pounds after, after making weight, you know, and and on a, on a practice level, like you said, weigh in and weigh out, say it's a practice where you lost five pounds of water weight and, and it kind of comes back in a wrestling standpoint for, and this is all personal experience. I'm not saying it's like this for everyone. Say it's a Tuesday night before a match and you're a little bit over and you lost five pounds. Maybe that means, Oh, well tonight, it's going to be a little bit hungry of a night, you know, and, um, or you're, or you're four days out of a match and you can afford to maybe eat a little bit and get your nutrient kind of put a little bit more nutrients in your body because you kind of have that, you can, you have that few days to, um, kind of splurge a little bit and get that energy back on track. So I think a lot of it depends on where you are in your week of competition in terms of, of, of wrestling as your sport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a little older than you. So I like, I did see some of that excessive stuff where in, and, and like the crazy stuff where, and just in high school, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, kids are throwing stuff on and trying to lose as much as they possibly can in a day. Well, to say you load up on sweatshirts or sweatpants or tape yeah. the bottom of your, uh, your, your pants there. But like, I didn't see like the garbage bag stuff. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what's nice now too is, I know at least in, in Pennsylvania, I'm not sure. I mean, this should be everywhere, but at least in PA um, high school wrestlers have to hydrate prior to their preseason weigh-in. Yeah. We had that. that guy, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't have that. Um, you know, it was probably somewhere in between your time and my time that that got implemented, but um, yeah, it's a lot safer now. I mean, kids still take advantage of that and they'll still like balloon up a little and then have to lose it just to yeah. get back to their baseline. But um, it's at least a lot safer now where you have to be hydrated when you take your preseason, um, your your weight. And then there's a, you know, there's a step plan over the course of the season of weights you, you're allowed to safely drop to. So I think things like that, are very important in in terms of safety and keeping kids. Yes, I, actually, I actually worked with a nutritionist back then. Okay. And 
I wish I would have listened to her more. Um, and I think it would have paid off big time. You know, back then you think, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I, I, got, I got this figured out. Um, and what she was telling me was, yeah, she like would break down the numbers, but I think you hit what well, you kind of made a real good point that it was simple. It was basic at some points at, when you're an athlete and obviously you want to put good stuff in your body, but when you're, when you're out on a three hour race, your body, I think just needs fuel. And I think you hit the, you, you take those, uh, well, applesauce packets. Yeah. Yeah. Super simple, super easy. Nothing like you're not mixing stuff. It's, and it's just getting that energy in there. And, and I yeah. think if I would have took the simplicity and tried the, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, I think I, I think it would have paid dividends. And, uh, but lesson learned, you know, now I, I try to keep that simplicity uh, and always in the back of my head where it's already been done. So why, why create the wheel? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 um, oh, that applies to just so many things, you know, um, we could say that with almost every topic we talk about or write about, you know, yeah, um, this was just something that stood out for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, this, this stuff's been done before successfully. Why try to recreate it? Why try to find some crazy concoction of mixes, you know, that you need to put into a blender bottle, blend it up and drink it. You know, there's, there's, um, a lot of, a lot of evidence that shows what does work, what has worked for people before. And, um, I, I would always say, I know you're the same way. Um, but I would always say food first, you know, and supplement after that, which we've talked about plenty of times. And I know that's how, that's how we both are. That's how, that's what I would say to any athlete, um, asking about supplementation or, what concoction they should be drinking for during anything about supplements. I really, I said, I'm the last guy to talk to about supplements. Yeah. I'm not extremely well versed because I, like you said, I kind of take the whole food first approach. Yeah. And it's, there's just so much misinformation in that world too. Mm -hmm. Um, the world of supplements, you know, so I have students come in all the time that, you know, they get information from, you know, places, places like uh, bodybuilding.com or other sources, you know, or uh, warehouses or shops or whatever mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily um, selling stuff that's FDA approved or researched or supported or, you know, whatever. Um, now you can get some good stuff. You can get good supplements anywhere probably, but you have to be careful with reading the label and making sure that, you know, if you're taking this for a specific vitamin, make sure it doesn't have, you know, 8,000 milligrams of caffeine in it. (laughs) You know, you have to be careful, you know, with stuff like that. So, um, I think, what you said is perfect. Less is more, um, food first, don't reinvent the wheel, um, eat food first. But, um, what do you, I wanted to talk about this real quick. What do you think about, um, like, do you ever train you, do you ever train intentionally to like, try to increase your core temp just to feel uncomfortable so you can, know what it feels like for maybe later something that you might be experiencing that you're not planning to experience or maybe like a race or competition or, you know, the, 
just the the mental aspect of putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation do you ever do that on purpose with training to like boost your core temp so going into or going on a treadmill and instead of shorts and a tank top sweats and a sweatshirt just to just to be uncomfortable for a little bit not anymore no no i have and um i think now i'm at the point where i I mean, I, I'll train in my garage. My garage is not. I don't have AC in my garage. I don't have heat in my garage. It is what it is. You know, so I go out there in the summer. I live, it gets pretty hot where I live in the summer. And, you know, I could be in shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm still just completely drenched by the end of a session. Yeah. Um, and for me, if I jump on a treadmill and put on sweatshirts and sweatpants, to me at this point, it's taking away from my overall training. Yeah. I think. Uh, so I don't really like to, you know, when I get in the gym, I get in the gym. It, I, I find that's fortunate. You know, I'm making that time. And I don't want to take out. I, I don't want to essentially waste a session um, by by testing out like that. You know, I think that's yeah, gonna, yeah. I think it's gonna come on its own. Whether you go out for a run and it's 95 and humid, I think that's automatically gonna come on its own. Great point. Great point. I love that you just said that because from time to time. I'm the person that will like make myself suffer a little bit. And it's, it's more of a, like a mental, a mental game for me. Like, I know this is really going to suck and I want to, I want to know how I deal with it when it, when it happens. And I'll, I'll force myself into those situations sometimes, but I think you're, you're exactly right. That's, it happens out of nowhere sometimes also. So why, you know, why manufacture it when it's just going to happen sometimes anyway? I definitely have done it in other aspects. I've definitely done it in that aspect. I mean, I don't know if it was so much to say to make myself suffer by putting on, like, oh, to create the environment. I think it was just, it was more related to sport and it kind of came out that way. So I feel yeah. confident when it happens again. Um, I'm not saying I, oh, one day, like I, I put it this much on the sled. I'm going to, no matter what I, one, here's a, here's a good example. I have a, where I live, it's pretty flat, right? So this is not very environmentally focused, but we had, I have a, we don't have a lot of hills, but there was one hill. It was like on a, it's kind of a, how can I say it? Like a gorge type thing. And it had a massive hill. I haven't ran hills in a long while. So I'm like, I'm going to run this hill eight, 10 times. Right. So I'm on, it's probably like 70, 70 yards, pretty steep incline. I'm running this thing. I'm like, no matter what, I'm getting the 10, right? So I hit six and my wife gets a phone call that she has to go back to work and she's with me. She was walking the hill while I was running. I kid you not. I had to sit there. I thought I was, I thought I was passing out. You know, I, I, my knees started to tingle. Um, my, I had, my legs were, I couldn't walk for a minute. My, 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 I had no, I had nothing under me. I couldn't, I had to sit there for 10 minutes, just on my back. Um, I felt like a pansy for a minute. My wife had to go get me some Gatorade just to get it back in me. Like I haven't felt like that in a long time. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's like a kind of example where you punish yourself, but you know, what did it really do for me? You know, I, I know I can push myself. It's like, so what did it really do besides, besides just wrecking myself? Yeah. So same point, but yeah, that's that's a really good point, though. Um, I've experienced that before too, uh, both running and cycling, 
with with intervals and setting the number ahead of time and not quitting but not quitting halfway but just not halfway or not quitting short but just not being able to finish because you work so hard and and you're trying to reach that number of intervals but for what like you said for what right yeah i think there's a time and place oh yeah like you kind of have to do things like that you say it's kind of like a gut check i think that has a i think it has a proper place but maybe do it in something where you have maybe that you, you haven't done don't do it in the thing you haven't done in like six months and you have no idea what your baseline is like i did there and it wasn't yeah. real smart so maybe if my wife didn't get that phone call i probably would have plugged out the 10 it would have been awful but who maybe yeah. i would have been first in the grass um i don't know um and I think, what do you think about like just testing yourself on, in terms of that, I'm not saying try to get new numbers or PR. I, I th- I'm thinking more like just to kind of punish yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of that. And I think, I think you learn a lot by, I, I mean, we're this, we're both the same way here. We're going to learn a lot more about ourselves through failure. Right. Um, if you, you know, you have a goal to run, a 20 minute 5k and you go run a 20 minute 5k whoop-de-doo you did exactly what you wanted to do but if you you know if your goal is a 20 minute 5k and you push it as hard as you can and then you end up tanking and you have to you have to walk or stop because you get uncomfortable or whatever um you're going to learn a lot more about how to plan more appropriately for your next block you're going to learn about you know what you should have eaten that morning or what you didn't eat that morning um, you're going to learn about, you know, what drink you, you should have had, um, to hydrate prior to, and the timing of that drink, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, you're going to learn a heck of a lot more from doing a bad job <laughs> than perfectly succeeding with your, with your goals. So, um, yeah, I like, I like the gut check that you referred to it as, which is super important. Um, you yeah, have to gut check. Yeah, I want to kind of quick just touch on that, the whole where, where that's at as an athlete, whether you're a coach or whether it's for yourself, one, do it, do it smart where you're going to be able to bounce back, where you're not going to be totally awash for the next week, right? And also, you have to think where you're at in your overall program. If you do this little test a week out from a meet or um, you want to test your PRs in a week, probably not the time to do it. Yeah, and that's a kind of that kind of has to be structured. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to go in the day in the gym today and just going to totally get after something different. I think that's okay. Maybe have a little fun, but I think ultimately step back and I think a big thing too is check your ego (laughs) as well, and uh, like that can go a long way. Yeah. So, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about: what do you think about the type of clothing you wear as maybe it relates to sweating too much or preventing your so when you sweat sweat's a good thing when you sweat um and then that sweat evaporates that's a way that your body is is kind of it's like a protective mechanism to um with the goal of maintaining your core temp and cooling the body so if if you're not sweating number one, that's a problem. And number two, um, if you're, if you are sweating, but that sweat can't evaporate, 
then you're not going to be able to maintain your core temp. You're not going to be able to keep your body cool. Um, and then, you know, a whole snowball of horrible things could happen if you're not able to evaporate that sweat. So when I think about that or why I'm saying that is, you know, a lot of people, you see a lot of like skin tight under armor type shirts and stuff on athletes all throughout the calendar year in any weather. Um, and I think what that, you know, and, you know, of course they make their claims that, oh, this is, this is, a, this is heat gear and this is cold gear. But, you know, it, the bottom line is if you're putting anything skin tight on your body, or if there's, you know, based on the type of fabric or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's going to be harder for your body to evaporate that sweat, which means you're not going to be able to, um, stay cold, stay cooler. Right. Yeah. I think you, big point sweats important like you your body sweats for a reason um and in terms of sport like whether it's football wrestling i don't know too much about the the whole yeah always wearing long sleeves i can talk on a hunting term yeah when you that's a huge market huge industry uh is what clothing you put on first when you're on a hunt whether you're going for a long hike whether you're in the cold or the heat uh, it's what fabric are you putting on, on your body that allows your body to sweat and allows your body to breathe. Um, and that's, that's where I probably have the most experience in looking at what clothing I'm wearing is kind of the hunting realm. And, uh, and a lot of it, like you said, I think it comes back on the fabric that you, you put on. I don't, and that's, I don't really think about it in terms of whether I'm lifting or whether I'm going for a run. Maybe I should think about it more. And you're a you're a tri you're a triathlete. It's probably way more has probably has more of an impact on what you do because you're doing you're out there a long duration, um, and putting a lot of energy into what you're doing. Same thing, kind of like the hunting realm. It's like you're out there, long time, probably carrying a load, and your body does need to sweat, whether it is hot or it is cold. Yeah. So that's where I have the most experience at. I think there it can be important. Yeah, it's absolutely important. I think when, before I knew anything about thermoregulation, <laughs> I like, I would have these Under Armour shirts and I would just always throw them on. Okay. It's like a comfort thing, you know, whether for, for any workout, you know, and I'm talking years ago, you know, years, years, but um, since, since learning a little bit and, and, you know, experiencing how your body feels with that type of that essentially that micro environment right against your skin, that's what keeps your, that's what keeps your body from evaporating sweat potentially, right? Not in all cases, it depends on the weather as well, but that's the same thing. And this is another, just the last key point here, um, this um, in terms of the, just the environment of where you're training too. So if you're in a super high humid, high humidity environment where there's a lot of moisture in the air, that essentially is simulating wearing something that's skin tight, right? Because if your body can't evaporate regardless, you know, if it's due to clothing or if it's due to excessive moisture in the air, whatever, your body can't evaporate the sweat anyways. So you have to be careful when you're training in those types of climates as well. And, and that doesn't really happen a whole lot out here where we are, but if you're, you know, if you're traveling somewhere, for a race or a lift or some type of competition like just look at the olympics for example they don't show up on friday and compete saturday right 
even if they're just a power lifter or an Olympic lifter or, um, you know, a long jumper or like these, these very quick high force, high power output type, um, sports, even if they're just those very quick bursts of energy sports, not necessarily the marathon runner or whoever, they're still getting there weeks ahead of time, you know, because it is very important to acclimate to the environment, um, regardless of your sport before competition. Cause you don't know how your body's going. You don't know how you're going to be able to breathe under stress. You know, when your heart rate's high, even if you're an Olympic lifter and you're, you perform your lift and you're done in one and a half seconds. Um, right. And we're talking about the weather here. And one thing I also find extremely fascinating about um, acclimating or whatever is altitude. I find altitude pretty, uh, pretty cool to discuss. And maybe we'll dive in on that one day. Maybe we'll do a little bit of background um, research on it, what have you, maybe talk about that. Cause I think like you said, ac getting acclimated to the, the temperature. And then if you're or at an altitude, that's going to affect you as well. Oh, heck yeah. And I mean, you know that I used to do some research with some right. hypoxic <laughs> environments and a little bit of heat as well. But, um, I think what's also important to note is this doesn't just this, these environments don't just affect and the same with excessive sweat and weight loss, these things don't just affect your performance, um, your physical performance, but they also affect your, your mind, the way that you can interpret things and change direction quickly and, you know, see a ball coming and react to it, to hit it. Like all this stuff, um, all of these variables affect both your physical performance and your mind, your, your cognitive performance. So, um, yeah, you absolutely, you have to get to the competition, um, country, the competition site, wherever ahead of time, you know, not just a day or two days, but you might need seven to 10 days to fully, um, acclimate to that environment. So you're breathing the air, you're getting used to it. Um, you know, you train a little bit, you push it a little bit. So you feel what it's going to be like, um, you know, some, some athletes get there a month ahead of time, you know, um, it depends on the environment too. If, if it's super hot, humid, or, you know, any and everything in between, I guess, but yeah, you have to plan for that. You can't just wing it. That's not something you just show up and hope it works out, you know, right. um, because you know, you, it's hard to simulate, um, it's hard to simulate 110 degrees with 90% humidity for four hours, five hours, six hours, or whatever your competition is. Mm -hmm. You can't really simulate that unless you go there, start breathing it, and maybe do an 80% of your um, capacity workout just for, you know, just to feel it, you yeah. know. So you have to get there ahead of time. You know, you might, you might train your last full month in that environment if, if you have the means, the financial means to do it. And that was kind of my thing. I'm not a professional athlete. You right. know, I have a job. I have, we have both of us, you know, we both have jobs. We both have uh, families, you know, so it's kind of like one of the things, like what's, we, we talk about get there ahead of time. And it's, you know, I don't, if I'm going to compete somewhere or if I'm going on a hunt out West, that's at 10,000 feet, probably not getting there a week before to, yeah. you know, so it's kind of like one of those things you, kind of prepare um and do the best that you can with what yeah. you have as well absolutely so. for sure and yeah, we're just going on and on at this point but yeah that that's an awesome topic i think um yeah. 
I think there's a lot to really pull from some of the stuff we just talked about. So if you have yeah, questions, yeah, yeah. If you guys have questions about any of that, please reach out to us, send us an email at hillpursuit.gmail.com. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram at Hill Pursuit. Um, of course, our website, hillpursuit.com, where you can check out um, the blog, which is a daily blog. And of course, our podcast, this cast is streaming on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. So listen to it all, do it all. Um, send to your friends, family and anyone you know, and uh, let's uh, let's just keep interacting with one another and um, we'll see where this goes. What else you got, Mitch? Just keep reaching out to us. We appreciate you guys listening and reading the blog and uh, we'll shout out to you guys next time. Yeah.